Simon is a normal guy. Excavations in Galilee and the region there have by consensus determined the location of Simon Peter's ancient house. And here's a picture of those ancient Galilee ruins. I show this because it reminds us that Simon was a real person. He had a real home, he had a family, he had a job. This was a real person. This normal, regular guy who really lived, everybody by consensus knows so, this guy met Jesus. Luke 5 isn't just a story, it retells an actual event. This really happened. Simon, who is later called Peter, Simon Peter encountered the living God as he lived in his home with his family doing his job. A real person found a living relationship with the true God. Simon Peter wasn't a better or worse person than any of us here. He wasn't rich. He wasn't poor. He was not particularly righteous or unrighteous. He was like you or me. And Jesus came to him. And Jesus loved him first. And this pretty average, normal man was enabled, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to respond to God's grace, to receive Christ's love, and be saved. And now he lived for the purposes and the meaning and the grace of the Lord God. From then on, this person, who was just like you, just like me, see, you are made for a life with God. Simon Peter's story invites all of us, each one of us, to experience life with God in Jesus. His life says to us, do not be afraid to let Jesus shape your life. Now, do you believe God is this close to you, like Simon? You might say, well, give me an example that God is that close to me. And I'll say, okay, let's look at the first verse of our reading. The story of Simon's encounter with the living God begins this way. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So that's the main way that you and I may experience God with us today, listening to the word of God, the Bible. Does Jesus ever come to me, we may ask? Well, I know for sure that he comes to you in the words of the Bible. This is the first and the best way that Jesus comes to us by his word. Notice, in this account from Luke 5, Jesus is speaking to the people, but his words are described as the word of God. Do you get the revelation? This is God speaking to the people. Jesus, God, come in the flesh. And now God speaks to us through the reading and hearing of Scripture. Jesus is God with us, who is one of us, because he came to live as a human being to sacrifice himself for the sin of the world. We are made to respond to these words. We read the Bible not for information, but for transformation. These words do something to us for good, for salvation. 
And Jesus' words, true enough, caused Simon to respond also. First, Simon loans out his boat for Jesus so Jesus can be pushed out a little into water. He can speak better to the people that he's uh, speaking to. And this is a small response by Peter. This is a neighborly kindness. Peter is getting to know Jesus. And maybe that's how you would describe your life with God right now or your reading of Scripture. You're getting to know the Lord God a little bit. And that's okay. That's a start. And the way to keep building on that is to simply ask, every time you read the Bible, what is this saying about God? Or what is it saying about me? Or what is it saying about my relationship to, the, to God? That's the start. But now read it for transformation. Pay attention to what the Spirit is doing to you by it. Awakening a belief. A desire for what's right and true. An assurance in the storm. A conviction to change your thoughts or behavior. A love for Jesus. And this is what God's word, Jesus' word, begins to do to Simon. Change him. Because Jesus desires a relationship with Simon as Lord and Savior. So when he had finished speaking, we read in verse 4, he said to Simon, put out in a deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Jesus isn't just present in your life. He is graciously and actively present as God with you. His word is given to assure you, to correct you, to heal or to rebuke you, to reveal to you what's right and good, and to save you, to make you one of his own. Simon resists at first. He calls Jesus master. Did you see that? But he doesn't treat him like he's the master. He objects. We worked hard all day. We've been at it all night. We haven't caught anything. I'm done for the day, Jesus. And he's being challenged by a question that you and I are challenged with most every day. Is there a God that I must answer to? But God's word is also gracious. It can overcome our resistance. So don't stop reading and praying and worshiping because it's hard or you don't feel connected right now in this season that you're in. Be open to the Spirit's grace breaking down your resistance. And Simon's answer, answer forms the first step of our faith. Because you say so, I will do it. Have you said that recently in your response to the Lord God? Because you say so, I will do this, or I won't do that. I will respond. Maybe the whole notion of God or faith feels a little, well, unreal to you. Or maybe you're overwhelmed by the pressures and pains of life. 
Maybe you just want to be happy and grab at whatever makes you feel good. You're trying to live life on your own terms. God hasn't met your expectations. But life with God doesn't start to be real and alive to you until you accept God on God's terms. That's faith. Faith isn't the opposite of reason. It's the opposite of living life on my own terms. So Peter, Simon Peter says, because you say so. When was the last time you made that choice? You changed your behavior. You made a decision, and the reason was simply this, because God says so. Simon responded to Jesus having authority over his life. He acts because Jesus says so. And what happens? He is overwhelmed by the goodness of God. Look at verse 6. When they had done so, done what Jesus commanded, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. Now, we must be careful here. We must not think that the lesson here is about us. Some sort of transaction in faith that if we obey God, our nets will be full or something like that. Because that's not even the case here. Notice, it's not that Simon's nets were full. His nets began to break. His nets couldn't contain the blessing and the presence of God. The blessing of Jesus isn't just more, it's something other, something different. That the way we live has to change. The catch of fish here was more to demonstrate divine and life-changing power that Jesus Christ possesses than to make Simon successful. And we know this because of Simon's response. At the miraculous catch of fish, Simon doesn't yell out, I'm rich! Look at verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. See, he knew this shouldn't have happened. Nobody gets a catch of fish like this. Simon knows God is with him. And he is overwhelmed because he's figuring out that his life can't be about fish anymore. His life is not his own. He belongs to God. His life is for Jesus. It can't be on Simon's terms anymore. His life is now and forever on Jesus' terms, at Jesus' word. So here's the next reality of your cross-shaped life and mine. Something for us to just recognize. When we encounter God, it is a crisis. Simon is in crisis here. Because now his life, his day-to-day, his the experience says that he's taken for granted. All of this has changed because now Jesus is Lord over it all. 
He realizes that this is not something he accomplished because he's a great fisherman or a good guy. He had been out all night and caught nothing. He's fishing with his nets that has always worked for him, but now they don't. They're breaking. They can't hold the blessings of God. His nets are inadequate after all. He thought his life was working out pretty good. Okay, his way. Now he realizes he's dead wrong. His life hasn't worked at all. And now Jesus has shown that to him. We caught nothing. But because you say so, and his nets begin to break. Jesus brings Simon to that point in his life. So what about your nets? You know, when our nets break, it's a crisis to us. And many times we cry, God, why? Well, the Lord isn't being cruel or uncaring. Jesus is the God who saves you. All that the Lord does in your life is to hold you, is to keep you, is to tear you away from all that would turn you from God to forsake him. Anything that we might be tempted to settle for or to choose or to substitute for God, that the Lord must take away. Because he does not want to lose you. Our old nets have to go. We can't catch Jesus in the nets of our own wishes and wants. So how does Simon respond? Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Now why would you say that? I don't read here that Simon has done anything wrong. He just put in a hard day's work. When Jesus asked to use his boat, he agreed. He even followed Jesus' advice despite his weariness. We got no indication that he's a bad man here. No indication that his intentions are wrong. So why would he say this? Well, Simon is not talking about what he did or didn't do that day. He's talking about his whole understanding of life, what his life is for, who he thought he was, his identity. And he realizes in that instance that his life has been about one thing, himself. And Simon also understands that to think of life that way is wrong. It is unrighteous. It is ungodly. It is a denial of God who gave him life and to whom he must answer with his life. Nisi Nash Betts won an Emmy this past year, but she garnered more notoriety and praise for her acceptance speech. Now, usually award winners, when they give an acceptance speech, will thank people. They'll thank their mom, and they'll thank a bunch of people that have helped them in their life. But to, and, and here's the thing, it was to great applause 
people in agreement cheering what she said. To great applause, she said, you know who I want to thank? I want to thank me. I want to thank me for believing in me and doing what I could that nobody thought I could do. And I want to say to myself, in front of all you beautiful people, go on, girl, with your bad self. You did that. And the audience erupted in applause and cheers. Today, we applaud people who put themselves first and live for themselves. So no wonder when Jesus comes into his life for Peter, it's a crisis. Because who knew God could be that close? Who knew my life was not about me, but about God? That God commands even the day-to-day. And it is more a crisis in our day because we human beings are in love with ourselves. And it is normal, even expected today, that to really live, you have to worship yourself. Simon falls to his knees in worship, to worship Jesus, not himself. And this is the resistance the cross of Jesus works to overcome in our lives. I am a sinful man, Peter, Simon Peter confesses. What sin? Well, we see the sin in the attitude of Nisi Nash Bates, Bates sorry, and the crowd who applauded her. What is sin? One definition comes from Martin Luther, who taught that sin is turning in on oneself. Simon began his day concerned about himself. Jesus, I'm tired. I've worked all day. I've been up all night. I've got work to do. But he encounters the living God right there, coming to him, and he is overwhelmed by the authority of God. So Simon responds to the crisis with, confession. And that is our response as we open up ourselves to being formed and shaped by the cross of Jesus this season. Simon's story invites us to know that this is where the Lord meets us, confessing that I'm not enough on my own to say I accept the gift of the cross, his sacrifice for me and because of me, to say that I am made for a life with Jesus. And just a little story note for us. Luke refers to him in Luke 5 here as Simon Peter, right here in verse 8. Started as Simon, that was his given name, but here in verse 8, Simon Peter. And now we know that that's what he was called, I mean, if we know the Bible stories. But we know that Jesus gave him that name way later on. This hasn't happened yet, much later than this. So this little editorial note by Luke is meant to tell us here in this moment of confession and saying I'm not enough, that I have lived my life for myself and I know that that's the wrong way to live. Here at that moment, Simon finds his true identity. 
his real, authentic life in confession before his Savior, found by Christ, found in Jesus alone. Simon Peter finds his true identity, what his life is for, while he is on his knees in confession before the Lord, fully known by Jesus and fully loved by the Lord. Confession. Because this is what opens up our souls to a relationship to the one God who saves and forgives. Confession, because this taps into your deepest need, our deepest desire. I mean, sure, we all have a passion to perform well. We all want to be loved, to be filled with all the things that we think make our lives happy. But beneath all that, beyond all these temporary reaches and grabs for, for what makes us happy, our deepest desire is to be fully known and fully loved. And only God fully knows us and can fully, perfectly love us. Confession is our response because now the cross of Christ can shape us for good. And sure enough, Jesus now invites Simon into this life of grace, being shaped by the cross. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So here's the contrast. When you live for your own self, on your own, for yourself, fear is always close by. Do I have enough? Have I done enough? Am I good enough? It's a life of performance, measured by likes, always needing more, and a little afraid. The life of faith in Jesus takes a different shape, the shape of the cross, and the focus shifts to that saving love of God, the rescue and deliverance of even others. It's a shift from fear to love, to not be afraid. Love like I do. When Jesus says, don't be afraid, this is grace. This is more than Simon should expect out of life. And this shows him that Jesus is living for him, just as Jesus lives for others. Jesus lives for you and your salvation. And now Simon is invited into this same life, this same purpose, this same grace. I mean, you can live in your own life. But if it's just you living your life, that's all you're going to get. Simon never imagined there could be anything more. But by the word of the Lord, he gets just one small glimpse of the power and goodness and joy that comes from a life of faith in Jesus. So do not be afraid to let Jesus shape your life. Simon Peter From now on, you will fish for people. Now, this is most important for us to get right. Because you see here, the actual word used here is not fish, but catch. Now, I'm no fisherman, but I'm guessing it's a lot more fun to catch than just to fish. And the word Jesus uses here is catch. He says to Simon, from now on, you will catch people. Jesus came to Simon when he had been out all night and caught nothing. 
By his word, Jesus gave Simon a catch full of fish. And now Jesus told Simon people, Peter, you would catch people. That word is used only one more time in the whole New Testament. And there it refers to Satan catching people, taking people who are now in need of God's rescue. So this purpose given Peter has to do with salvation, with redeeming persons, and leading to a new and full life. This is how important it is for you to live by faith in Jesus because others' lives with God depend on your faith too. When our lives are shaped graciously by the cross of Jesus, we change from living for ourselves to living for the world, for the salvation of the world. So I just want to encourage you at the end here, if you're in that struggle, a family member or friend or neighbor is on your heart, and your great desire is to see one small flicker of faith in her, and you don't see it. Don't give up. Be assured that the Lord is here and at work. Yes, there are hindrances and obstacles to overcome, but in some wonderfully, graciously saving way, the love of God will prevail if we do not give up. Because Jesus says, you're not just fishing, you're catching. So who knows how our faithfulness brings the blessing of salvation, even to someone who looks so dead in spirit to us. It's a battle of life and death after all, isn't it? And if you've seen something get born, you know how hard that is physically. It can't be any less difficult for someone to be born again spiritually. So keep loving, which is what they did. So they pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and followed him. Simon knows his old nets can't hold the goodness of God. And if your nets are breaking today and you despair and you are weary from your losses, consider that the Lord is at work. Remember, he is overcoming the hindrances and obstacles to your life with the Lord. And he will not let anything come in between because he does not want to lose you to something less than eternal life with him. Simon is a changed man. The presence of Jesus and his word gives him a new life. So do not be afraid to let Jesus shape your life. This is our first faith step to experience the reality that God's divine power gives us so that our lives are shaped by Christ and his cross. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your spirit calling us to this hard task, but this life-giving task, this faith response of confession. To honestly, before the Lord, ask you, Spirit, to make us aware, to pay attention of all those things that we too easily settle for, that we built our lives around, 
that we've used to measure whether our lives are good or not, that we've given our energies to all these things that we're tempted to choose instead of life with you. And in that moment, awaken within us this great love for you to imagine again that of all the things in this world and this life that we have, we get to love God. We get to love Jesus. To see this as this great grace that nothing in this world can give. And so form and shape us for your cross. We pray for one another today too. We pray for those in the struggle of faith. We pray for those on our hearts that, that there may be one glimpse, one response, one, one word, one act of kindness or grace that we can offer, that you can use to awaken this faith, this salvation that you give. We pray for each other in our physical needs, for those with ongoing illnesses, with chronic disease or illness that, that must be carried each and every day. And for the limits that this brings, Lord, where the struggle is difficult, where the days are weary and the nights are long, would you bring a measure of healing and hope and mercy? Lord, we pray. We thank you that Halbady's doing better. Doctors are pleased with his progress. We thank you for that. We remember Joan Vandermolen and Wayne as he cares for her and as you care on them. And we thank you for the life we have and the way that we can even help when life is hard. And, and so we thank you for Barb and Staldine and, and as she will celebrate a birthday next week. Uh, we thank you for your faithfulness to her. Lord, bless the service that we bring in your name. And we bring before you those who are considering a nomination to elder or deacon, that you would help them discern your call? Would you watch over those who are shut in? Would you be with our young families when the, each is overwhelmed by all the busyness of life? And Lord, would you now forgive us and cause us to live for you? So hear our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.